The following audio brought to you by TSF Entertainment Podcast may contain graphic descriptions of violence and or audio clips of violence or sexual explicit events. Listener's discretion is advised. SF Entertainment Podcast fans, this is your boy Retro CG, and I'm joined tonight by my beautiful co-host, Miss Really BTV in the house. Hey. <laughs> we running short today. We running short today. We had some people call off sick today, so we running short today. <laughs> <laughs> we had some no calls. No you know, calls. that's what, no calls, no shows. You know how that goes. <laughs> so, tonight we're going to go ahead and give you our uh, recap, recap of Power Book 3, Raising Canaan, um, Episode 1, Back in the Day. So, um, I think this is like a pilot episode. At least that's the way I take it. It, it feels oh, it's like definitely it's a, a pilot. It's yeah, definitely it feels an like origin it's a story. Episode. Yeah. So, we are now introduced to the Power Universe. Ooh. Oh, ooh. I guess the Power Universe is replacing Marvel. It's the new Marvel, I guess. You know? Because uh, they yeah. even had the little... Um, and- Marvel starts all their movies off with a little intro. Mm-hmm. I felt like that's what they were trying to do with their intro with the new Power Universe. So, this is the third installment of Power, um, which is a spinoff. Uh, this is a spinoff series, Raising Canaan. So, for those of you who aren't familiar with Power, I don't think that you would be here listening to our podcast if you weren't familiar with the show, but um, right. this, this, this series is based off of the character Canaan Stark. So, really, B, what was your first thoughts of the episode? What'd you think about it? So, my first overall thought of the episode in its in in its totality was, I I was mad at Canaan, but I wasn't mad at the episode. If that makes sense, I was mad at Canaan because I was like, that's just got to be. That's just stupid. Oh, 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 what you got? No, oh, I'm just saying. Got, but I, I know exactly where you get ready to go because I feel the same thing. But overall, you like the episodes, what you're saying. It definitely, it definitely read as a pilot because think about it. That episode, they actually could have just inserted that episode at any point to give us a background on who Kanan was. Like that could have been a flashback episode. It could have been a flashback. Right. It could have absolutely been a standalone flashback. Because even the way 50 Cent started the narration off by saying, well, you know how my last fight ended. But let me tell you how my first fight started. So let's start right there. Where in life is he narrating this story? <laughs> is it in the afterlife? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess he came I thought back. the same thing. I'm like, okay, <laughs> but I can appreciate back. the narration, but 
only for this episode. I do not wish for the future episodes to continue with his narration. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary. Because okay. in this point, the narration was necessary because we had a lot of characters that we needed to be introduced to that we hadn't seen before in other series. Mm-hmm. So I think the narration was definitely pivotal to us uh, being introduced to new characters. So rate the show, what would you give it? Out of a 10, I'd probably give it an 8. I'd probably give it an 8. I'm going to give it a 9. Oh, I'm wait a minute. I graded on a higher curve than you? Oh my goodness. Okay. Yes, yes indeed. Yes indeed. And you'll learn why as we start breaking down this episode. Okay. Uh, well, first off, I am very very pleased with how the episode turned out. I, it definitely gave me that 1985, 1990s feel. It even did. From the way they dress, um, the way New York is being portrayed, it was just, it was very authentic. It did. I really enjoyed that. Even when you can look at some of the stuff and be like, I remember that outfit. I remember that piece. I remember, oh, I had that. You know what I'm saying? Like, even when you can look at stuff and you, it, def- it takes you back to that place because you were there, you lived through it. It yes. absolutely rings authentic. Because I it's swear, a- half that half them clothes that jukebox wore, I was like, I had that shirt. Because she had polo on the whole episode. The whole episode jukebox had on polo. She did. You recognize that too. I, was I going, did. I was going to wonder. <laughs> I was wondering if you was going. You know, I said here. it in my review. My review. My review is actually loading right now. I said it in my review. Yeah, the polo crew, you know, we're going to spot that polo when we see it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I've been wearing polo since high school, so I definitely recognize like, oh, I had that. I, oh, I remember when that happened. That's when um, polo first started doing the teddy bears. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, yep. we sure can talk is. about polo. We can get sidetracked with the polo. Okay. I know. We might just need to do an episode <laughs> about polo. <laughs> so, um, I guess we're going to go ahead and break this episode down. Um, so, uh, instantly, and it didn't take long for us to uh, figure out who was who. Uh, instantly, we meet Jukebox and Canyon. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really appreciating the backstory with Jukebox because I would love to see how she turned out the way she did when we first mm-hmm. met her in Power Season 3. I think it was Episode 3 that we first met her. Of course, she's grown up and um, made a lot of changes over the years, but it seems almost to me like maybe Jukebox might be older than Kanan. Did you get that impression? She, she is older than Kanan. Because when they were at the um, when they were at the diner and her dad was like, well, why you why you not getting into that school? Why nobody asked about you? And she was like, they did. You didn't want me to go. And he was like, all right, well, that's fine. We'll get you to take the test. And she was like, I'm too old now. So that leads you to believe if she's too old but Kanan isn't, she's got to be older than him. Yeah, because even in the scenes where they were at school, they weren't in any classes together. Right. So um, I did get that impression that Jukebox uh, is older than Kanan. But the episode starts off with uh, Kanan in the park uh, getting beat down by some kids. And um, I'm assuming that one of these kids that was beating on Kanan was Buck Twenty. I'm one. You know what? I I thought about that too, and I was like, I even again, I said it. I was like, I know one of y'all was gonna catch whether it was the same name or not. I said the same thing. I said the same thing. 
I think so, but I'm gonna have to do this one straight off memory. I didn't get a chance to get back and uh, rewatch the episode, but I do plan on rewatching it again tonight. So I'm just going off memory. But I do believe the uh, main character or the main uh, person that was beating on Kanan, the little boy, was Buck Twenty. But um, and I'll tell you why I felt like that was him later on down on the episode. Probably but, the uh, same point that I felt like it was too, but go ahead. Okay, so we on point. So uh, uh, Buck Twenty and his crew are at the park and they're beating down Kanan. You know they sticking him up for his money, right. and you know Kanan keeps getting up and going back. And obviously the kids are, are maybe a little older, maybe a little bit stronger, maybe a little bit bigger. I didn't necessarily feel like they were a little bit bigger than him, but uh, they they were beating him down, and of course they were restraining um, jukebox. They were holding her down from her jumping in and helping out. Mm-hmm. And um, Kanan ends up getting up and runs off, uh, you know, home. And of course, you know, they free Jukebox. You know, she's yelling for him to come back. And um, we meet his mother, Miss Ra- Raquel. I like her. I really like his mom. I like her too. Great actress. Great actress. I'm very pleased with her. Um, and her boyfriend or baby daddy. No, her boyfriend, because it wasn't Kanan's father, it was her boyfriend, Hopper. Right. Right. So we meet High Post. In the narration, um, Kanan later tells us that High Post is going to die a year later. Um, for snitching. For snitching, I think. That's what I thought it was. He said too. for telling. That's what he said. He said for telling. He didn't say snitching. Not that it makes a difference. It may not be a big deal, but he didn't say but snitching. That's the impression I got, too. Okay, so we're on point then. I got the impression that that was uh, basically saying he was snitching yeah. or had done snitched on someone. Yeah. Now, um, now, this is the first discrepancy that I ran into. Now, tell me if you tell me if you caught it or whatever. But he said that the boyfriend is the one who got his mom in the game. Did he say that? I but was remember, just getting ready to hit that note. But okay, yes, all right, I'm, I'm gonna let you. Okay, then I just wanted to make sure that I, I was wondering if you caught what I caught. Okay, go ahead. Yes. So, uh, they were um, they were at the kitchen table. Looks like they were breaking down a brick, and so um, I, I do believe in um, Kanan's narration. He did say that that high post, you know, pretty much put his mom onto the game, and so Kanan comes in. Young Kanan comes in and runs up the stairs. You know, he's crying in bed. You know, he's beaten and bruised and bloody, and so you know, high post looks over at Ra- Raquel and like, you want me to go talk to him? And she's like, Nah, I'll deal with it. And so she does what any mother does. She goes in, finds out, you know, what the hell going on. And, you know, of course, he tells tells her that, you know, the kids at the uh, playground or at the park, you know, took me for my money. And she's like, well, I'll tell you about telling people your business and whatever, whatever, whatever. And I missed what his response was to that, but he kind of alluded to the fact that he didn't tell them anything about him having money or whatever. You know, they probably know that, you know, his mom stuff selling drugs or whatever. He had money. Right. And so, you know, she's giving him that black mom, every black mom lecture that she gonna give her son that come home with an ass whooping. <laughs> so, uh, she goes over to his dresser and she pulls out a, a, a pair of socks. She pulls out a sock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she started taking the batteries out of the toys. She so did. <laughs> I knew I said, exactly where that was going. I know exactly right. I was like, I know exactly what she about to do. This about to be <laughs> ugly. I was like, this is about to be ugly. She tell him to hop in the car. They head back to the park. And she gets out the car. 
And she's like, go handle your business. And she's like, either deal with them or deal with me. And you ain't got nowhere to run from with me. So, and she stood there. And Kanan went and commenced to whooping their ass with that battery sock. He sure did. He beat the shit out of the niggas with them sock. He did. I mean, he did. <laughs> it, ain't no, it ain't no way around that. He whooped their ass. <laughs> And so from there, uh, I think at that point, I think he even said that was the first point where his name was known in the streets. Yeah. Yeah, that started his, that that started the, you know, do you know who Kanan is type situation. Yeah. Right. And she just sitting there smoking her cool. She sure was smoking her cigarette. Listen, yeah. I, I said in my review that my grandmother did that to me. So listen, that's that old school. I got into a fight with my next door neighbor. And my grandmother used to live with us, and she would not. I guess listen. I, I, I don't even remember the fact that I lost the fight, but she must have felt like I lost the fight. But she told me I better go back over there and whip her ass, and she wouldn't let me in the house. Oh, I was shit. like, I can't come in the house, Grandma. She was like, Nope, you better go back over there and you better get her. That's <laughs> what Ross said. Ross said, You better deal with them or deal with me. So okay, that those were your only two options. So this this is all occurring in 1985. So we're getting right. a, a timeline. We're getting the timeline as the show progresses. So now we skip to 1991. I'm assuming they're in high school. Uh, Kanan is at yeah, they're in high school. Uh, Kanan and his mom is. Uh, I didn't get the feeling that it was the principal or the guidance counselor or. It's not like it was a guidance counselor or something. Yeah. Anyway. She was acknowledging the fact that uh, Kanan was uh, very good in school. Um, apparently, Kanan was a good scholar. Mm-hmm. Um, he made good grades in school. He was very smart. So she was very interested in him progressing his education. And there was a new school that was getting ready to open up. And I'm assuming that this is busing, that he was getting ready to sign up for this program for underprivileged kids uh what was this program it was an advanced learning program i didn't really get the feel for what type of program that she was recommending him for well it seemed the way it seemed like to me was that it was a new high school opening up and it was going to be like a magnet school and so they were probably going through all of the schools in the city and recruiting quote-unquote the best and brightest got it that's what it seemed like to me that they were trying to populate this new school this state-of-the-art they had five gymnasiums and all this. It was just like, you know, this. and so they wanted, it wasn't going to be like a neighborhood school. It was going to be like a, you know, invitation only kind of thing. And what they probably did was they just went through aptitude tests and GPAs. Got and, it. And that's probably where they got his name. And oddly enough, Kenny's mom is excited about this. Yeah. Like she's really excited about this and excited about this opportunity for him. In this moment, I didn't get to feel that Kanan carried either way. He didn't seem to be too reactive to it. Um, I think he was more so reactive to the fact that his mom was pleased that he was getting the opportunity, but he didn't seem overly excited mm-hmm. for the opportunity. He didn't want to go. He said it as soon as they left out of there, he was like, well, I can't stay here. It's like, they're leaving and there's literally a fight in the hallway and she's looking at him like, what do you mean, why you can't stay here? Like, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Right, yeah. Look at this. This, And what I liked about this and I was just so hoping that she wasn't going to be this type of mom. She was what I expected her. Her reaction was exactly what I expected her to have. 
as opposed to you ain't going to that school with the white folks. You know, I really was glad they didn't make her character like that where she didn't want him to advance. You know, right. like uh, Naaman's mom on The Wire. I, I was so hoping that she wasn't that type of mom. That right. she was more so interested in keeping her son in the game and, you know, her muscle. She actually wanted this opportunity for her son. She was eager for it, for her, for mm-hmm. him. And so they're standing out in the hallway and they're kind of talking about this or whatever. And we learn that she has a love for astrology, which that's odd, but, you know, so. She and you saw the sign they showed was cancer, right? No, Just... they, saw, they saw Leo and cancer. Mm, whatever. They showed the lion. I'm sorry. Cancer is what I saw. I saw the lion, so we can go back and, <laughs> and, and debate who's right. But it, they it they lion. actually did show cancer. They might have showed Leo too. They showed both. They absolutely show cancer. They showed both. <laughs> okay. Um so we also get the impression from this moment that his mom's not no dummy either. No, you know, she's not. She seemed to be very well put together and very versed. And, you know, she giving him the rundown, like, look, this this is an opportunity for you to come make something out of yourself, get out this hood, get out get out this life that we're in. You know, you're going to take this opportunity. And he looks at her like, yeah, whatever. Um, so then it pans to Laverne, uh, jukebox, in her, I guess they call it choir class back then, but really it's chorus. Yeah. <laughs> she was in chorus class, singing her heart out. And, you know, he just kind of spoke to that, that, you know, yeah, my cousin can sing, but don't get it twisted. Like, she a thug for real. <laughs> yeah, she a thug. Yeah, she, she's, she's an angelic thug. She she's an angelic thug. She would definitely get get at, get at you. <laughs> and so uh, then we switched to them at the lunch line, and um, it's his little love interest walk up, you know, and she's playing the game with him. I really didn't. I, uh, Davida, Davida, Davina, 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 mm-hmm. yes. And so you know, I had to go back. I had to go back. I had to go back because I was trying to figure out is this Sean's mom, but her name was uh, Javita or something like that. It's weird, but um, it's not her. But anyway, they're going back and forth, and um, you know, they're kind of flirting with each other. She's flirting with him. He's flirting with her, and uh, we learned that he's had a crush on her from like first grade right. and this happens to be buck 20s old lady and so right. you know he's sitting there at the lunch table you know sizing her up and whatever and jukebox came up and like how long she been dissing you like oh she ain't she ain't for you and then so we meet some more of their friends we meet uh the puerto rican um famous um whose name is sean hmm um and so, you know, they all got a little crew, you know, and they're doing what high school kids do. You know, they're having a good time. And it was really nice to see this side of Kanan's character, you know, the innocence of his character. Right. And so uh, we then switch to uh, the mom and Lulu. Uh, we meet her. I couldn't remember if Lulu was the baby brother or the oldest. I think Marvin was the oldest. Uh, Lulu and uh, yeah, Marvin was oldest. Lulu was the baby. They're at the hospital and they're going to check on one of the workers that don't got shot up. Um, from one, I guess they got some beef with uh Unique, which we'll meet later on in the episode. But I, I took that as either I took that as you know they were beefing over territory, over corners, or it was a new crew that was coming in that was beefing with them. Or they didn't really make that clear, or either I didn't catch that in well, the moment. They did. They had that conversation when she had the meeting with, I guess that was Unique's representative, or it was another dealer. When she met, when they both had on those furs and they met down on the water, 
the, the first, first time. one, not the second. Right. Remember the first time he said he said to her, um, "What's up? Like, what's up? You you on those corners? You know, we we agreed that between the block of this and that, that that would be like um, a neutral zone, and nobody would take it." And she was like, "That was a deal that the last person made. I didn't make that deal." So as far as I'm concerned, it's open territory. And he was like, okay, well, you don't get to make that decision without having a conversation. Stop right there. Because in that moment, I felt like she was saying that High Post had made that's that. That's what I thought she was saying, too. Yeah, that's the impression that I got. That High yeah, Post had I made think she was talking I about High Post. Right. Yeah, I thought right. she was, too. Okay, so we're on the same page with that. And then we meet their other worker. Oh, well, then Marvin comes in. Marvin is the older brother, which is Jukebox's dad comes in and um you know they kind of talk about the situation we meet the other worker uh scrappy uh we meet the other worker and they're just kind of like having a conversation about the territories but it's very clear to see in this moment that uh raquel is running things like she's the boss and so you know she's pretty much um telling them that she'll deal with it she'll handle it and i kind of felt like marvin's in so many words, kind of wanted to go to war. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he kind of wanted to take the corners back, you know. He right. wasn't really with this diplomatic way of handling shit. I felt like he was more so ready to go shoot some shit up, you know. That's the impression that I got as well. And that in that conversation, that was the first time you heard her sort of allude to the fact that he had an opportunity to be in charge but couldn't handle it. She didn't I forgot how she worded it that first time. I mean, the second time she said it, she just came right out and said it. But she sort of alluded to something about who's in charge or something like that. But you get the impression that he had the opportunity to be in charge. or he, Something about him making a mistake or he screwed up before or something. And he kind of shut up. That was in the hospital. And then later on, she says it again. But that was And I so think it's because something. he's a hothead. I right. think it's because he's right. a hothead. And yeah. So okay, we're we're on the same point with that because th- that was the vibe that I was getting too, and she pretty much was like, "I'll handle it," and you know, she kind of going about her business, and then we switched to the uh, Kanan and his crew at uh, a pizza joint, you know, jukebox and uh, famous. They're playing a video game. They're doing what kids do, and I really like that. You know, I Definitely really like in the nineties. Yeah, I mean, even the Street Fighter, you know, I right? Just, it just it made me feel Saturday. like it was really, really real, like in that moment. Right. And so um, at that point, you know, Kanan is um, looking out the window or he actually went to the change machine and then he looked out the window and saw uh, Buck 20 pull up in his whip and, you know, they all gawking at him and like, oh, you know, I guess he's the, the big time drug dealer in the city. Unique. You know, he, it was unique. Was it unique? Yeah, it was unique. It was unique. because Buck, Buck 20 was standing there. Yeah, he was that's when Kenan that's was right. like, yep. Kenan was like, oh, I didn't know Unique was the one that put Buck on. That's right. He did say that because they then they started talking about the car being bulletproof. You're right. Yep. And so uh, at that point, you know, I think that's when Cannon kind of like uh, it was almost like he was in that life, mm-hmm. but he didn't seem to have a bad life either, though. You know, even though his family is in uh, the drug deal dealing and everything too, but I think he wanted that. To be that dude. Yeah. You know? Very reminiscent of Tariq. Tariq had no reason to want to be a drug dealer. None. Correct. Correct. This 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 is a 
a whole parallel to Tariq, and I was going to touch on that later on in the show, but you're absolutely right. So uh, we did see uh, Lulu and uh, Raquel pull up to the club. This is where I get irritated at, right here. Uh, we pull up to the 1991 version of Truth. This is where I get irritated with the writing because we are recycling the same thing. So apparently they have been selling drugs in this club. Mm-hmm. And um, was it the, was she the new club owner? What was the chick? Who was the she chick? She was the new PR person or something. For the club. Yeah. And she pretty much told them that y'all ain't gonna sell y'all drugs here no more. I'm she gonna said, get my people. Yeah, because she said y'all drugs is some trash. Yep. And Raquel called her a bitch. So did. <laughs> she was like, like, I ain't no scared white bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing that we noticed instantly with Botox Barbie is that uh, she has a affinity <laughs> for the dog. Barbie. I swear she, I mean, lips full of collagen. I mean, she just looks like she's a Barbie doll. And, you know, she's sitting there talking cash shit about their drugs or whatever and pretty she much telling sure them to, you know, be gone. She was very talking dismissive. Talking to them crazy, like yeah. She was very dismissive. Like I don't her, know who uh, you used to dealing with, but you clearly have misjudged this situation. Yeah, and I ain't no scary white bitch, uh, right? Yeah. So Raquel's like, you don't know, you fucking with, but you about to find out, right? And so uh, she kind of step away while Lulu kind of you know tells her to uh, take a step back and let let him try to uh, go at the girl and talk to the white lady. I don't even know what the lady name is. I'll I'll figure it out by the next episode. Um, but anyway, she goes over to the bar, and that's when she meets uh sympathy, sympathy. I can't even say the dude name, but Symphonica, uh, something like that. Yeah, the the, the ghost for the show. He's going to be the ghost character for the show. He's he's put there for one reason and one reason only, and it's to be her love interest, uh, for the show. And so you know they kind of have like a little introduction to each other. You know, she kind of flirts with him and he kind of flirts with her a little bit. You know, she's sizing him up or whatever. And, you know, he pretty much tells her um, that he works, he tends bar there at the club part time because he's in school for his master's. And, you know, and she seems to be intrigued by that, you know, and he seems to be intrigued with her. But I didn't get the feeling that Lulu was able to resolve the drug conflict with the PR lady. That just kind of. I didn't see where there was a resolution and given what they did to the dog, I guess there wasn't. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you. I think the dog situation was strictly get back. I don't know if it had nothing to do with them resolving the issue or not. I think that was Raquel on some straight up personal. You called me out my name. You dog, you disrespected me and I got something for you because well, she was talking shit about the product. She was talking shit about the yeah. product and, and, and you getting ready to cut off my lifeline because I'm assuming aside from the corners, the club brings in pretty good revenue. Yeah. You know, when you when you uh moving product. So, you know, she's at risk of fucking it up. So that's why I was curious as to whether or not the the dog was retaliation because, you know, this we're being catty and bitchy at each other. You call me a bitch, I call you a bitch, so I'm finna fuck your dog up. Or you finna fuck my money up and I'm finna send you a message. So Yeah. Maybe we'll find out more about that. Yeah, because um, I don't think that we didn't really get an answer to that, and I don't know. But like I said, I know that that was on some that was some straight up get back. <laughs> she was like, 
okay, I got something for you. You're not scared of me? Cool. You ain't got to be scared, but watch this. <laughs> like, so we did switch to the diner, which I kind of felt like it was a family diner. It seemed like in Karen, uh, Kanan, Kanan's narration, he said something about that being the family diner or maybe that being the family's go-to spot where they eat it every week, you know, where they go sit down. Yeah, and he who- said, well, this is our spot. So I don't know if that meant like we own it or this is like you said, this is where we go every week. But they definitely said he definitely said they meet there every Wednesday night. So the reason why I feel like it's the family's business is because we have to have somewhere to wash the bunny. So mm, that's uh, true. That's I assume true. that the diner is their family diner, but we'll find that's out true. about that as um that is the season progresses. But who's at the table? Jukeboxes right there at the table. But what I like about the situation, which I cannot wait to see further episodes and possible further seasons, to see where the relationship between Kanan and Jukebox goes. Because very reminiscent to my childhood, I grew up with cousins that were like siblings to me. And that's what Jukebox is. Jukebox is not just his cousin. You know, she's like a sister at this point. You know, yeah, they definitely, part, definitely. She is part of the family, and you, anytime something pop off, all of them always ask where jukebox. So that means they two uh, peas in a the pod. They think it's thieves. Mm-hmm. You don't see one without the other. So if something happening and jukebox not there, then you know the family is concerned about that. And so uh, we kind of learn uh, Raquel has high hopes for her child. But her brother, Marvin, which is Jukebox's father, doesn't seem to be too interested in Jukebox education or her singing or wanting to better herself. He seems to be perfectly content with her being a part of the business. That ghetto mentality. Yeah, that ghetto mentality. At this point, it it hasn't really been identified that she's even part of the family business. But she's, you know, they don't seem to keep no secrets from their, their children. Right. So their children clearly knows that they do drug dealing or whatever, but at the same time, they're not involved in the business. But right. it seems like Marvin has uh, a different expectation for a jukebox than his sister has for Kanan. So it seems like there's a little bit of push and pull there between jukebox and her dad, because he don't seem to be, he's not here for the singing at all. He's not, he's not there, but you know, Raquel seems to want these kids to have a normal teenage life so uh, at this point Famous and his sister pulls up on them at the diner and you know they pretty much invite him to sit down and have dinner with them or whatever and um, Lulu starts flirting with the sister and the sister starts kind of flirting back with Lulu so you know they all just sitting there you know they um, having a good time and you know they talking about the business and then um, I guess when they were getting ready to leave, you know, they were getting ready to part and go their separate ways. Uh, Unique and his crew or Unique had some of his his crew pull up on him and start busting at him. And I couldn't figure out what that was all about because at this point they hadn't had no conflict. So I was trying to figure out why he was busting, why he had them busting at them. Or was it because they were arguing over the territories initially? I think it was the territory because remember after that is when she went and had the conversation with him about it. That's right. That's when they had the uh, fur coats on. They were in the park. Right. Because yeah. that was after the that was after the situation where the, the kid, the guys had to go to the hospital, but it was before 
she actually had the talk, the conversation at the park, and that's why. Now that's the part I wasn't sure about. Was the dude she met at the park a third drug dealer, or was he a representative of Unique? Which I would find to be a little disrespectful if Raquel is queenpin of her organization, but she meet with a representative of Unique's organization. No, that was Unique she met with. Oh, that was Unique? Oh, yes. Okay. Because when the car was pulling off at them shooting, Kanan looked and out the back window was Buck 20. So, you know, when he got home that night, she came in. He said he knew who it was. Yep, he told her I knew who it was and all that good stuff. And that's at that point, I think he had made up his mind that I want to be part of the business. Like, you know, these niggas out here shooting at my mama. Uh, you know, at this point, he's worried. He's worried about what's going to happen to his mama. He's worried about what's going to happen to him if something does happen to his mama. So I think at that moment in time was the when he made the decision that I, I want to be a part of the business so I can look after my mama. Very reminiscent to a Tariq and Tasha situation where uh, Tariq felt the need that he had to protect Tasha from ghosts. Mm. So in this moment, he made that decision that, yo, mom, I'm smarter than you think. I know what's going on. I know y'all cold. You know, I know the numbers or whatever. You know, he just started making assumptions and, you know, we're going to see where his assumptions lead him to. But, you know, being young and dumb and thinking that you all knowing and you really fucked up a situation because I do felt like Raquel had the situation under control. And then she you know, absolutely had it under control. She didn't. She absolutely. And he and she told him that night. She told him. She said, "You don't know what you think you know. Like, okay, you know that we're in the business, but you don't under. You don't like mind your business. You stay in your place. Your job is to go to school. Like, don't worry about what's going on with the business. Like, she tried to tell him, "You don't yeah. know what you think you know." Yeah. And so, um. Ken had on a fat ass North Face jacket too. I like that North Face jacket he had on. That jacket was dope. <laughs> oh man, that's a drip. But uh, you know, at that moment, it seemed like famous and even jukebox. It seemed jukebox didn't even seem as eager to want to be part of the family business as Kanye did, even though she seemed to be a lot more thuggish and a lot more harder. She doesn't seem to be as pressed about wanting to be a part of the family business as she is about being a teenager. No, it was definitely unique that was me with her because they were both going back and forth about their uh, coats and he had on a, his big daddy cane chain. Uh, that jacket was dope, though. <laughs> and so yeah. they did her have their workers there. Nice. Both of them had their workers there, but I kind of like how they did do their little parlays. I really like how they do their parlays because both of their workers are on each side of them you know, kind of watching over them or whatever. So I really like that, you know, face-to-face. Uh, we're going to meet and we're going to talk about our issues instead of shooting up the place. And, you know, we're going to come to an agreement. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, they came to an agreement on the corners and she took one extra. And so uh, apparently yeah. she gave up some of the corners that she had already had. Right. Um, and so I guess that's where Kanan makes that fateful decision because he thinks that they've taken his mom's corners away, not knowing that she gave them corners to him and took a different set of corners. And so that just created a whole big mess. Um, right. Which is, that's where my frustration got started. But go ahead. So we got Botox Barbie. She getting her back cracked by somebody. I mean, she getting her, her, um, she getting her, 
I don't know who I, I guess it was just some random black dude. Yeah, so, I feel like it was just some random dude she was with. Yeah, because yeah. uh it wasn't the dude from the club and it wasn't, you know, uh Lulu, because at first I thought it was gonna be Lulu. I said, Oh, he fucking for that um drugs in the club, but it wasn't him. And she like, I smell some. Something don't smell right. <laughs> and I'm like, damn. Oh my god. <laughs> and as soon as she said it, I knew it was a dog. I didn't know what they had done to the dog, but I knew it was a dog. How'd you know it was a dog? It just felt like something had to do that fucking dog. Yeah, because I, I, yeah, like, because like you said, you knew that was the only thing she seemed to really give a damn about. So when she was yep. like, something smelled funny, I was like, what else could it be that, you know what I'm saying? Like, I said, like, now I just thought the dog was dead. I didn't know that they had, it was. <laughs> so somebody has broken into her apartment while she fucking on old dude and put her dog in the microwave. <laughs> And, and cooked her dog. And cooked her dog in the microwave. <laughs> I'm like, but keeping true with a power show. I mean, we we can't have a power show without sex, and we can't have a power show without murder. Right. So I guess that's the first body, <laughs> the poor dog. Right, the poor dog. <laughs> yeah, that was fucked up. So the next scene goes to uh, Raquel dropping Kane off at the. Uh, uh, the school to do the entrance exam, so they had to do a a, a three hour long entrance exam to get admitted into the school, and you know they still have that conversation. You still see the reluctance and the hesitation, and I just don't want to fucking do this on Kanan's face. Mm-hmm. And so, and I can't remember somebody had said something to him about going up there to that school with all the white folks. I can't. Remember I think who it was. was. I don't know who said that, but I know Famous was the one that suggested, why don't you just throw the test? Like, if y'all want to go there, just throw the test. Yeah, I remember Famous suggesting that, but somebody even um, put the idea in his head that you're going to be up here with all these white folk. I don't know if it was Jukebox or if it was Marvin. I want to say it was Jukebox, maybe. I have to go back and rewatch. But I, somebody uh, planted that seed, and then when Famous kind of confirmed it, when he was like, why don't you just throw the test? And that's exactly... He looked around that room. <laughs> and he looked at all them people. Yeah, right. fuck this. I'm out, and the answer to every question was B. Yeah, and he was through <sighs> with the test in five minutes, and so needless to say, go. there goes there goes your opportunity gone. And I really feel bad at that moment for him because that all that was just poor decisions. Mm-hmm. So Raquel pulled back up to the spot, and oh, oh boy. Uh, Scrappy. I guess that's one of her street workers uh, gave her the dog leash. So you might be right. That might be some... Oh, you call me a bitch? <laughs> I got your bitch. Yeah, you because... Be right, because right, Mar- Marvin didn't know nothing about it. Remember, Marvin was like, something about the dog, and she was like, what dog? Remember, Marvin... She didn't let Marvin know what was up. Dude just gave her the dog tags and was like, I took care of that or something. Whatever he said, he said it in cold, so to speak. And yeah. then Marvin was like, oh, you got the dog? And she was like, what dog? And he just kind of looked and started smiling like, I know. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know, I know my sister. Did. Yep. Yeah. She did it. <laughs> she did it. And so uh, then you see Kanan show back up to the uh, the pizza place and the rest of his friends there. And that's when we meet his homeboy, D-Wiz. And mm-hmm. so D-Wiz is, he don't seem to be part of the 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 drug dealing business. I just think that's his Canaan friend that he run with, and you know D Wiz seemed to be about that life. 
And so uh, I think that's when they started having the conversation about uh, Buck, right? I think that's when they started talking about Buck and the corners. And at, at some point, Kane, at this point, Kane is concerned about his family. And doesn't he ask D Wiz for a gun? No, he 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 went he went to the window and he saw that they were on the corner and he was like, "Yo, that's my family corner. That's right, my family corner." And yep. and D Wiz was like, "Yo, I got some kerosene at the house. Like we can burn yep. that bitch down. Like we he said burn it with a straight up. face. He was he didn't with no hesitation. He said, right? He was saying that with a straight face. Like, well, I mean, we can burn the house down. What you want to do?" Like, like how you trying to carry it <laughs> yo. yo he so did yo. and so you know famous is like you sure you want to get in it get in the middle of this you know you want to get involved you know i'm like d wiz like shit we finna go handle this business <laughs> right he was ready for the smoke he wanted all the smoke he want to play with them at all right now and that was in that moment is where i started getting frustrated because i was like all that was was a phone call he didn't even have to call his mom. I feel like he could have called Uncle Lulu and been like, do you know that down here on mom's corner? Like, what's up? I even feel like maybe even Jukebox would have known what was up because keep in mind, oh, she wasn't there. The jukebox the was busy. Well, yeah, <laughs> I was actually getting ready to get to that. So Jukebox got her walk band on. She just posted up on a corner. And here right. I was thinking that she was waiting on Kanan. And come to find out, it's, 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 a, it's a group of Beckys walking down the street. So right. I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's up? She can ready to rob one of them? <laughs> you know, that's what right. That's what I thought at first, too. I was like, okay, what's going on here? She the rob one of them. But, um, so Jukebox's character is a lesbian. And, um, and I kind of felt like, well, I kind of felt like she came out, well, I guess, I guess so, because she did say something about uh, Empower that her dad had kicked her out when he found out she was a lesbian, so I guess this is the, the start of that. But uh, there's a, a a white girl that I didn't, and I didn't really get the full understanding of how they met, or where they met at, because she doesn't go to the same school as Jukebox does, because remember the other girls was like, Jamaica, like from the country Jamaica? There was like, no, Jamaica Queens. So clearly she's on the Upper East Side side of town right now right so but i didn't really get the full understanding of where she met little girl little becky well she said she met her at a choir situation and i feel like maybe there was like a citywide choir or something that's where she met her because that's what she said and the girlfriends are looking at her like you getting ready to go hang out with this black girl right clearly she see it for juke and uh she really liked juke she tells juke how pretty she is and and whatever right. and she even tries to kiss her but in this moment we see that jukebox is not ready to accept what she is you yeah know, i feel like this was probably like her first like real crush like that she acted on or something like that because you you could tell that she was unsure throughout the whole situation yeah she seemed very nervous as to where this was going to go but she liked yeah. it mm-hmm. you know she liked it and so um I guess that's the start of what we're going to learn, what she's going to become. And, you know, her ignorant ass daddy um, just ain't going to, he ain't going to be pleased with that at all. Um, and so, Kanan meets up with his crew and they decide they're going to do what they're going to do. I just, this was just so stupid. Like, I just, like. In broad daylight. Broad daylight over something you don't even know. Like, again, 
I get it that it was your mama's corner last week and this week it's not, but you but you literally know that there was a shootout where at they first, weren't really shooting at your mom. They were shooting yeah. up in the air. There was a warning. What made you think that your mom, Uncle Lulu, Uncle Marvin, like what made you think nobody had addressed nothing yet? Yeah, yeah. And I just I just felt like that was I feel like he was too old to not was, think that through for him yes. to be as smart as they were trying to say he was. But you know what? Ghost alluded to this or said, uh, uh, spoke to this in um, several episodes throughout uh, Power, and we're starting to see this. It's all coming together now. Because he used to say, you remember when they had that fight, and um, he set Kenan on fire? He was like, you always uh, a hothead, or you always react and don't think things through, or whatever. They've always kind of alluded to the fact of Kanan being a hothead and kind of... Uh, Reacting first and not thinking things all the way through. Where well, that definitely was an example because that, that was, was the, so that unnecessary. Was, yes, that was that was a very good example to that um, characteristic about him because Buck Twenty is like, "Yo, what's up?" And I feel like this is unsettled beef from that playground. That, right, the way they were like, like, like "What you want, Kanan? What yeah. you doing here, Kanan?" Like the like, way they, they, they were yeah. together. They grew up together, and it's always been an antagonistic type yeah. relationship. Between the two of them, and I think at some point when Kanan realized I, I just killed this nigga, that reality is like even though I didn't see it for him, we didn't get along. I still grew up with you. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I just didn't understand what the point of him going over to him and checking on him after you just shot this nigga dead. D Wiz looking at you like nigga, what the fuck? Let's go. Right. <laughs> and when he when he clutched him in the chest. You know, it was just like that's that final moment. Like, I'll never bother you again. You'll never bother me again, type deal. Mm-hmm. That was his first body, and that just he sat there and watched him die. But in all reality, he should have been caught at this point. I mean, they all should have been caught. And D. Wiz is standing there with the gun. Still, Kane is running down the street with a whole bloody sweatshirt on. Like for real, he should have been arrested. <laughs> right. I mean, and the fact that everybody knew he did it, like. It was the, the whole worst neighborhood knew he like, did it. Everybody knew he did it. And so when he gets home, well, no, 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 because his mom was at the restaurant with old boy from the club. That's she right. Her little date. She was on a date. That's right. She was on a date with uh, old boy, and um, you know, she was basically telling him like, "Yo, I'm not gonna fit into your world." And um, he was like, "Why?" And she was like, "Because of what I do." He was like, "It's not a problem for me if it's not a problem for you." And that that really, really got her wheels turning right then because, like, oh, he can accept me for who I am. But we see, we're going to see that this is going to be the issue in this relationship. I already see it. (laughs) Oh, this is so ironic. This is going to be the issue in this relationship. She got money. And she got to let it be known at all times she got money. Mm -hmm. This dude just invited you to dinner. And Lulu comes up and, you know, say, oh, Kanan. That's all he had to say. He didn't have to give no other explanation. Right. All he said was Kanan, and she was out. She was out. Listen, he go to, he, he, I got the check. He was like, uh, why are you paying? I, I invited I you. I invited you. Right. <laughs> right. I think right. that this is what's going to be the issue with this relationship as it progresses, is that she's a boss. And she's yeah. used to being a boss. And she's not going to know how to uh, receive this man because clearly his money is not going to be as long as hers and and he's not going to be able to do the things because they seem like they're at a very nice well-to-do restaurant 
you know. Right. And, and so, there seems to be and, and, and she seems to always feel like her money fixes everything because not I don't even say what fixes it, but yeah, like even when you're right, you're right, you're on the right path. Because I was gonna right. say something about that too when she paid when famous, uh unique. Right. She paid off unique, but even when famous showed up for dinner, she was like, Sit down, I got dinner. Like it's just like she's always that's her first instinct. I got this, I got it, I got it. You know, yeah, she gave Unique the money when she went to the hospital on her way out the door. We got the bill. And I'm not saying that she didn't owe it to them. Like, like if your worker gets shot, you're supposed to pay the bill. If, right. you know, you you know that your son was the reason why his worker got shot up, okay, I'm going to get him with the family some money. I ain't saying she was wrong, but that she definitely seems to lead with money. She definitely seems to lead with money. She feels like that's going to instantly fix the problem. And we've seen this before. We've seen this before where we think that money is going to solve the problem. But mm-hmm. here at the family meeting, Jukebox is sitting right there at the table. Kanan is trying to defend himself and explain his rationality behind what he did. Marvin and Lulu are there. And Raquel is just going in. She's like, you just don't fucked up everything, yo. You stupid. He, did. he, did. he really did. And, and that's the- when she yells at Marvin, Uncle Marvin, and that's when she really lays into his ass. And then he lay in the jukebox like, where the fuck you was at? Right, yeah, because Keenan was like, Keenan like, was like, "Well, I, why you get? Why did you get a corner away?" And Marvin was like, "That's what I, that's what I said." And she lit his ass. Yeah, she did. <laughs> like she like fire on her ass. But going back to why does everyone? Maybe we'll see this in the next episode. I'm hoping that we see it soon, and me not have to wonder why Jukebox is heavily relied on because it seems to be. Jukebox is Kanan's protector, or at least that's what they look at her to be. Like they look at her to act, look after him. I think one because she's the older cousin, so you know, in the family, it's always the older one that they look at to be the person to look out. And two, because if she were a girly girl, I don't think that would be the case. But because she is. Tomboy, tomboy, yep. and and like he said, like don't get it twisted. She will, she she don't play them games. I think if she were a girly girl, it probably wouldn't be. But the fact that she's you know real tomboyish, and the fact that they ride so hard together, because remember, even when he got into the fight, going back to the beginning of the episode, um, uh, I want to say the dude asked. Where was no when she went upstairs to talk to him? She said, Where was Jukebox? And he's like, They were holding her. So it's always, Well, where was if y'all was at the park together, how you get your ass beat? Jukebox, like, where was she? You know, I see, I feel like we had a Tasha and Tariq moment here because you know, at this moment, Kanan think he grown. Yeah, oh, yo, he was disrespectful as hell. He wasn't as disrespectful as Tariq, though. No, he, he wasn't as disrespectful as Tariq, but. Yo. I feel like he was he's trying to come into his own, you know, and, and even though it's not just him and his mama, because his family is very he has a very close knit family and they're all around, they're all involved or whatever. But he still look at his his family unit, his family situation to be that of him and his mama. You know, it's almost like he omits jukebox. He omits his uncles, you know, and he just see that it's just nobody but him and his mom. And he don't want anything to jeopardize that relationship. So, you know, she's sitting down here and she's just going through because she's trying to figure out how am I going to fix this? But he brought up, I'm sorry, I mean to cut you off. Go ahead. ahead. I wanted to say something. But he brought up a good point, though, when he was, when he, two things I want to bring up before we get to that. The first one is, 
I was surprised that neither one of the men jumped in when he got out of pocket. Like, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, at, at the beginning, okay, let her handle it. That's her son. But when he got disrespectful, I, I was really surprised that they didn't check him. That was my, not so much Marvin, but Uncle Lulu, I really was waiting for Lulu to say something. Because he seemed to be the most rational one. Yeah, he seemed to be two. that one, right. But now he was focused on getting the evidence. And we saw that, and I I'm, I know you saw it, when he was like, we need to burn that. And I was like, that took yep. me back to power, and it took me back to, you know, uh, the first episode of Power, where we saw Ghost kill, kill that, that witness, and first thing she did was take them clothes down to the incinerator, and then when to record his body, she like you gotta burn your clothes. Like she I, that's back the to first thing I thought yep. of. Right. That's yep. the first. And then the last thing I'm gonna say is what I what I didn't understand. Um, I mean, the, the thing that I thought that he said that was valid was if you didn't want me around and you were so worried about me being in a good school, you'd have sent me to grandma's house a long time ago. So like so, you need to be honest with yourself about where you really want me because. Grandma live in a good area where the schools are good. So if this was about me going to a good school, then you would already have me at grandma's house and away from all this bullshit. But the fact that you got me that. here makes me feel like like you want me here. And they even spoke to that because she even said that's why I got uh grandmother house upstate. You know, that's that's your security blanket. But when she heard up when he went uh when she when he came downstairs, he wanted to try to talk to her and talk about it some more. And she was like, she was like nah. nah, we ain't ready for that yet. Yeah, we ain't ready. But I did think, go ahead, I'm going to let you, I'm sorry, because I feel like I keep saying it before you say it. Go ahead. <laughs> no, nah, you could, you go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, but again, that scene was predictable as hell, and I was shocked when she told him, go take the trash out. I was like, are I you crazy? I knew exactly what was getting ready to happen, yep. I was like, why would you let that boy go outside? You know. You know. There's a bounty on his head. And when she heard them gunshots, of course, Kenny goes outside, put the trash out, and, you know, uh, some of Unique's workers, or Buck 20's workers, uh, ride through, start blasting up the place. They shoot up the place. And as soon as she heard them gunshots, she she didn't hesitate at all. (laughs) She was out there. (laughs) Yeah, she was out there on the porch with the gat, busted. (laughs) And that's when we get introduced to Omar Epps' character. Was it Malcolm? I think his name was Malcolm. Malcolm, I think, yeah. Yeah, he pulls up and he clearly knows she in the life or whatever. And he pretty much he pretty much asks her, uh, uh, they hit the wrong house. That's the story you're gonna stick to. So he knows that she sells drugs. He knows he knows and he knew they about. were looking for Canaan. And he knew that they he were after Canaan. He he knew what was in the streets. He right, right. he knew what, exactly what it was. And he is that cop that's going to keep his ear in the streets because it seemed like there was a rookie detective out there or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was talking about running ballistics on the uh, shell cases. And he's like, shit, for what? The gun is, 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 is in the um, um, bottom river, of the right? river by now. Right. Right. <laughs> like, you wasting your time. Right. Ain't no ballistics off of that. You ain't getting nothing off of that. <laughs> so it's going to be very interesting to see what his character is. But being that it's Omar Epps and he is, he's pretty much the star of this show. I mean, he's pretty much the, the A-list uh, Yeah, but he's the only established name. So I got to I got to imagine that he wants more for his character than just to be a beat cop. So let's see where his character evolves into because um, it's going to be very interesting. 
And once again, the family shows up and jukebox is in tow. And, you know, uh, he asked her, he, I guess that was finally the opportunity for him to ask her, like, where were you when um, I shot up uh, old dude? And, you know, he knew right then and there that she was with the white girl. Yeah, which tells you they talked about it. Yeah, that they've talked about it. You know, she's she's confided to him about it. And so, uh, you know, Lulu was telling him, ain't no amount of money going to fix this. Ain't no school. Ain't no way you can be able to hide him mm-hmm. from this. And, you know, and Marvin confirmed it. He was like, and his mama can't save him. So at that point, she came to the realization. She came to the conclusion, accepted it, that he's in. I mean, there there is no, the life I wanted from him is gone. In this this moment right now, that life I wanted from my child is gone. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's when she goes see Unique with the uh, money to try to make, fix the situation and get the bounty off Kanan's head, which he told her he would lift the bounty, but he was like, look, you know, Buck 20 probably had people that cared about him, and there's some other people out here that go, you know, want to avenge his death. So, you know, I'm not going to be able to fix this for you, but I'll tell you what, I am going to take all these corners. And mm-hmm. she couldn't buck it. She knew it for herself that she couldn't buck it. Like, you know, your son has fucked up your whole organization at this point, and now you got to do damage control. But, um, and then uh, I think the episode ends with uh, her waking Kanan up in the middle of the night, which we all assume that she was taking him away to grandma's house, but she didn't. She took him outside of town and she pretty much showed him how to use a gun. But, okay, so maybe I missed something because I feel like Unique told her he was taking her corners and she told him, no, you're not. And he was like, basically, I feel like they're at war now, but I don't know. Oh, I, I don't, okay, I don't okay. Know. You might be on to something because I thought about that in just a brief I mean, moment, too. I feel like uh, for the moment, I, actually, this is how I felt. I felt like in that moment in time, she had no choice but to agree to uh, get the bounty off her You don't want that. She was like, you don't want this. And he was like, it's whatever. I mean, basically, he was like, it's whatever. Like, I feel like he has every intention of taking them. But I don't feel like she gave him up. She gonna give him up. Okay, got it. Got it. So this is gonna start their war. And Right. And then the other thing that I thought was good was the um, the thing he said to her and he was like, and this is why women aren't, this is why women shouldn't be in the business because at the end of the day, what the way you should handle Canaan, you're not going to handle him because that's your son. And she was like, well, you got a child too. He said, yeah, but I didn't grow him in my body. And so my, my connection to him, my connection to, he called his son by name, Jerome. He said, my connection to Jerome is different. And I felt like in that moment, he was telling her, you supposed to be giving us your son to resolve this issue, but because that's your son, you're not going to do it. Oh, big facts. Remember that, you remember that whole, he gave her that whole speech about that's why women shouldn't be in this in this line of work, because you can't make the hard decision when you need to, because that's your child, and he was like, I I, I mean, I'm going to protect my son, I'm, yeah, and, and he's my son, but the way you're supposed to be handling this right now, you're not, because that's your child. And then she was like, I'm not going to get on my knees for no man. And yeah. so, 
in that moment, you know, she was like, I'm a ride for mine. So, right. um, and she's not going to give up her child. But I feel like that's exactly the message that he was sending her. You, you, you actually conveyed that perfectly because that's exactly what he was pretty much telling her. Like, how you make this right is you give us your son. And Damn. she, she wasn't trying to hear none of that. And so at that moment, she had no choice but to, let me teach this boy how to handle himself out here in these streets because he's going to have a target on him from now on. Right. Like, I can't protect him forever. And it's really, and like, and like Lulu said, there's nowhere you can, there's nothing you can do at this point. Because even if you, if you send him to grandma's house now, they're going to be looking for him. And, and it's going to really just cause carnage until they find him. So you, yep. you got to, you got to handle it. You can't send them away now. Like you waited too long if that's what you really wanted to do, which took me back to what Kanan said. If you didn't want me in it, you wouldn't have me in it. And they had their mother and son moment. They had their yeah. Tasha and Tariq moment. That's what I'm gonna hear and now refer to it as. They had their Tasha and Tariq moment where she took them out and she showed them how to handle a firearm. She showed yep, them how to handle did. himself. And so I think this is where we're going to meet the Canaan that we're familiar with uh, in future episodes. Right. <laughs> but all in all, great episode, great pilot episode. Way. I thought it was better. a good episode. I way better than was... I expected it to be. Way better than book two. Um, oh, way better. Definitely better than book. I mean, it's no comparison to book two. Yeah. But it's I... definitely better. What episode in beats all ten? <laughs> so you're right, you're right, you're right, and that's why I was saying, and I said that in my review. I was like, I was frustrated at what happened, but it wasn't because of bad writing, it wasn't because of bad acting. I just wanted to wring Kaden's fucking neck because I was like, one phone call, and I get it. But like, this there takes been you no right conflict. back to power. Oh my god, this takes you right back to power. A lot of this is a call back to that because it's just no different than Tariq and his stupid ass decisions. Like, I feel like Tariq fucked up his whole life. He fucked up his whole situation. He fucked up his sister's life just by doing dumb shit. It's like when he took the fucking gun to school. When he stole Angela's gun and took the gun to school. Right. Nobody was bothering you. You didn't need it for protection or anything like that. You would just, right. just make a dumb decision that, that just was the catalyst to so much other bad things that happened. But I know last week in our first thoughts, we uh, we had a big discussion about whether or not we're going to see Ghost and Tommy, and I just, I don't think so. And the reason why, I'm going back to the very last episode, uh, I feel like the timelines that they're popping up on the show is it's giving too us... too early. It's too early, right. Because remember at the end of Power, it was 1996. We're just at 91 right now. If we're at 91 right now, Ghost and Tommy ain't, ain't, ain't came along yet. So I don't right. feel like Kanan going... was older than them. Like remember and they Kanan were was remember, older than they them. were his yep. proteges. I mean, he yeah, they were like he was he was showing them the ropes. They were younger than because remember in that flashback, they were in high school and that's when Tommy was running up on Ghost and was like, Yo, Kanan won us. So Kanan is already the man at that point. Like he's a he's he's at least older he's than made. high school age. Yep. Yeah. He's yep. older than high school age at that point. Like it's a whole nother group of people. So yeah, yeah, they, I don't think we I don't think we even get a sniff of a St. James for a minute. I mean, St. Patrick for, like you said, you know it's already been renewed for season two, right? Yep. So I'm talking maybe at the end of season two. 
Excuse me. It just depends. Three type situation. It just depends on how fast these years go down right here because I think it's right. it, there's a lot to be told with where we're at right now because mm-hmm. I mean and there's a lot of storytelling that needs to be told with this so it's going to be very interesting to see how they do this because we know that a lot of these characters aren't going to make it out. Um, so we know that his mom's not going to make it. We know that Lulu's not going to make it. We know that Marvin's not going to make it. We know that Famous is not going to make it. The only person that we know that we can confirm that we know made it out is Jukebox. And mm-hmm. he ends up killing her. Which, right. uh, it, it, that's that takes me back to that moment of just what he felt for Tariq. For him to kill his sister, his cousin, like as tight as they were, as close as they were, you know, I, I, to me, I feel like when they part and go their separate ways, because somehow, somewhere, they're going to have to explain how she ends up making it to D.C. Right. We're going to have to figure out, they're, they're going to have to show us where him and Jukebox part ways, because you would think that him and Jukebox would have grown over the years, and they would still been in life in the game, but obviously, he stayed in life, she went and got a job as a cop. So they're going to part and go their separate ways at some point. And she may but, have left to go to D.C. after he went to jail. Maybe. And how maybe. long was he in jail? He, he had been in jail for. He had been in jail for a minute. No, I'm gonna have to go back and watch first season of Power, but it seems like I think yeah, he was there for maybe five years. I want to say or something like that. Because he had to be old enough. It had to be long enough for Tariq not to remember him. Because remember, Tariq didn't know who he was when he first started being friends with Tariq. Tariq didn't have no, and I get it. That Tariq was a kid, but what I'm saying is, it had to be old enough that Tariq had no memories of him. That's not to that say he wasn't kids around. Were even born, right? So he, it had to be at least ten years because they were, Tariq was already in high school when Power oh, started. Oh, facts, 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 big facts, and not to mention his own son, Sean. I right. felt like he was at a younger age when uh, Kanan went in and uh, got out. So you might be right about that. So maybe that was the catalyst for her to kind of get her life together when he went to jail. So we'll see about that. But I feel like that we have met all. One thing I liked about this show, they introduced us to the whole character. They, they introduced us to all the characters. I don't mm-hmm. think that we're going to meet anyone else that we didn't meet in this episode. I think this is the the cast and characters that we are. Now there may be some other little, you know, uh, recurring cast members that pop up, but they did, they made a to me. It, it seemed like they made a point to introduce us to every single character that's going to be important to this story for season one, even down to Botox Barbie at the club, Omar <laughs> Epps, Malcolm, the police officer. It's like we we got introduced to every single character that's going to be important to the story. So I really like that. So hopefully next episode we lose the narration because at this point there's no point of Kane narrating the story any further. Now we need to watch the story play out. And and I'm a, oh, go ahead go ahead go ahead. No, I was done. No, I was just saying, and I I know that one of our biggest frustrations. And I, I even said this last week with pop, with book two was that we felt like it was just a rewriting of the same thing and it was lazy writing. But even though we see parallels in this first episode, I don't feel that way yet. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I feel like it's a reach back to explain a lot of what we saw in power. Like, I for agree. example, I'm already feeling like, okay, 
maybe this is what was, you know, like you said, like it explains what we saw versus I feel like they just rely on the same formula and regurgitating the formula because it worked the first time. Now, some of the things that I, some things I am a little, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, overall, that's exactly how I feel. But there were some things I wish that they would have done different. Instead of them selling drugs at a nightclub, why they couldn't sell them somewhere else. It's like the whole nightclub element is just is overused at this point. You know, um, and I guess because we went through six whole seasons of truth with right. power. And it, that being the beginning of the end for him and Tasha to begin with. Right. I, I, it was just very surprising to see that the first thing that they do and even I feel like we even have that in book two, not so much as a full fledged club, but I feel like uh, Major J. Blige character owns that bar that they're always at at um, in book two. So, uh, I mean, I guess that's maybe the most easiest place to sell drugs and wash money and clean drug money, I guess. I don't know. How did that life? <laughs> I'm about to say, I definitely have no idea. <laughs> you know, I would have liked to see any it. other element, a laundromat, a car wash, a dry cleaner, you know. Well, no, even... laundromat would have been from Power too. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. He did have a laundromat, but that didn't stick around as long as the club did. I feel like the laundromat only stuck around for maybe a season, if two. <laughs> but right. overall, I was actually very pleased. I really enjoyed it. It's definitely... Uh, uh, worthy of me watching it uh, a second or possibly even a third time even before next week's episode comes on I think I might watch it again and see if I can pick up on some points that uh, I may have missed in my first run but uh, I'm really looking forward to what this has to offer and I can't wait to hear what the rest of the uh, crew thinks about it but um, overall I, I really enjoyed it I did too I definitely enjoyed it I was here for it so I'm so, ready so now, now everyone out here Y'all can actually hear me say something nice about a power show. You know, I ain't got a character that I'm running in the ground <laughs> this season yet. So, you know, I ain't called nobody a slut or whore or thigh. You, or pussy you fairy. And absolutely. And I, you know what? I, listen, kudos I told you I was going to surprise you. <laughs> kudos you I surprise for that. You. I was waiting. I was waiting for it. I said, he great say something about, I, I thought you was going to talk about famous's, uh, Famous uh, sister, I said he about to say something about famous sister. No, I wasn't gonna call her a thigh pocket. No nope. thigh pocket. <laughs> I I told you I was gonna behave. I've actually really enjoyed. I like all the characters right now. I like every okay. last one of them. All of them are very well introduced to us. So, uh, uh, shout outs to Sasha Penn. I mean, great great start. Great season. So let's just hope that y'all keep Courtney Kemp out of that writer's room and y'all give us a good season. And um, I'm here for it. All right. Me too. I'm here. All right. So I guess we'll go ahead and wrap up this week's um, show. Um, as always, you know, I call to action. Y'all can follow us on our social media platforms. Uh, you can hit us up at uh, info at TSF Entertainment dot uh, com. Uh, YouTube page, TSF Entertainment, or the Soul Fur Music Group. Um, you can find me on Instagram at RetroCG. Oh, me? You yeah, can find you. me <laughs> You can find me on YouTube at ReallyBTV. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at ReallyBTV underscore on YouTube. So, so uh, shout outs to our missing host tonight, uh, Mr. Juggernaut of Souls. Uh, right. Jack of Jordans, 
Uh, shout out to Fresh or Highness. So hopefully we'll get the whole family together before the season's over and um, cut up with y'all. Right. <laughs> I got to hear Fresh or Highness. I definitely want to hear what, what he got to say about it. I think he's going to enjoy this one. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see y'all next week. All right. Peace. Later. Peace. You are now listening to TSF Entertainment Podcast.